I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey friends, this podcast is produced by the Utah Marriage Commission, and they have all kinds of free resources like webinars, articles, and relationship assessments, all at strongermarriage.org. And we're excited to share an upcoming virtual marriage conference on February 10th, 2023, with all kinds of virtual presenters. And then on February 11th in Ogden, Utah, come join us for date night and dessert with Dr. Dave and Dr. Liz from 6.30 to 8 p.m. So visit strongermarriage.org for free resources and to register for the conference and use DR Dave for a discount on your registration. You can find the link in our show notes. So go register today. Back by popular demand, we welcome Dr. Bill Doherty back to the show to discuss discernment counseling, which is all about gaining clarity and confidence related to a couple's willingness to stay together and be miserable, move forward with divorce, or commit to working intensely together to save their marriage. We also discuss how common it is to think your marriage might be in trouble and tips for moving forward and making things better. Our guest, Dr. Bill Doherty, is a professor in the Department of Family Social Science at the University of Minnesota. In our minds, he is one of the nation's best experts when it comes to marriage and family therapy and helping couples navigate relationship challenges and avoiding divorce. His books include The Intentional Family and Take Back Your Marriage. Among his many awards is the Lifetime Achievement Award from the American Family Therapy Academy. We think you're going to absolutely love Dr. Doherty's second visit with us. Enjoy the show. Hey, welcome to Stronger Marriage Connection. The doctors are in. My name is Dr. Dave. I am a professor here at Utah State University. I'm alongside licensed psychologist Dr. Liz Hale, and we are dedicating our life's work to bring you the absolute best research, the tips, the tools to help you have the marriage of your dreams and back by popular demand, we had Dr. Bill Doherty from the University of Minnesota on as our first guest when we launched this podcast. We had an amazing discussion. If you have not tuned into that one, you've got to go back and listen. And today he's back. We're talking discernment counseling, among other things. Dr. Bill Doherty, welcome back to the show. Great, great to be with you again. So lovely having you, Dr. Bill. You know, one of your key messages today is that modern commitment means taking the necessary steps to prevent divorce. And especially when times are really hard, right? And discernment counseling can be part of that great effort. I've had the privilege of studying your program and becoming a certified discernment counselor myself. And congratulations on spreading the word. You know, I have counts, or excuse me, I have couples calling me frequently asking me for discernment counseling. Mm -hmm. So the word is getting out nicely done on your end. Yeah, good. Um, and, and of course, we know uh, with, that with, with practically no, no deliberate marketing. So that's what? pretty good. Yeah. Is that right? Well, that's even more impressive. We know that traditional therapy is not best for ambivalent couples. And, and what ambivalent couples is that when one person's leaning in, the other one's leaning out. Traditional marital, ther marital therapy is just not helpful. But that's where discernment counseling comes in. 
Tell us why that is, please. Well, when when um, people divorce, a lot of times folks say, well, that couple decided to divorce. It's hardly ever a, a mutual decision. People don't sit down at the kitchen table and say, somebody says, you know, I'm thinking about maybe we should break up, get divorced. I've been thinking about that too. It's not like you're going on vacation, right? Somebody is almost always out ahead. And there's lots of research that supports what I'm saying here. Somebody has been thinking about divorce. Often the other person has not been, or if they are, they're far less serious about it. They don't tell their spouse. I mean, it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing to be thinking of ending the marriage. Uh, they maybe confide in, you know, with friends or maybe they go to a therapist. Uh, and then at some point, either sometimes in a big argument, they say, I want a divorce or, you know, some other time uh, they bring it up. And it's often a shock to the uh, what we call the leaning in spouse. We talk about the leaning out and the leaning in. Okay, the lever or the leaving. It's often a shock to that person, kind of th throws them. And so you have then people in different emotional states. You know, one is sort of glad to get it out and they're leaning out and the other is propelled into this crisis that they didn't want to happen. And so uh, we call these mixed agenda couples, different agendas, okay? Now the person who is leaning out Often they have not made an irrevocable decision. Okay, they're just, they're miserable and they're bringing it up. They have maybe some hope, maybe not a lot, but they haven't, they haven't delivered divorce papers. And so this couple, traditionally, they go to a marriage counselor, marriage therapist, and, and they often fail, as you said, Liz, in that situation because marriage therapy, couples therapy is set up for a situation in which both people have a basic interest in repairing the relationship. They, they, they're both there, <clears throat> and they may think it's the other person's fault, mostly, okay? But they're there because we want to see if we can fix this. Um, uh, and, and with mixed agenda couples, the leaning out spouse is not only unsure they want to stay in the marriage, they're not sure that therapy is going to help at all, okay? so. There, we call it dual ambivalence. I'm not sure I want to be in, in the marriage. I'm not sure I want to be here. Uh, I'm out of energy. And then you have this other gung-ho person. I want to save the marriage. So, so in couples therapy, there hasn't been a, a way to deal with these people other than to try to launch the therapy, you know, just get going. Well, what happens is the leaning out when they're not in it. Um, and after a session or two, they tell the therapist, well, this isn't working. Uh, and um, and they often bomb out. Now, some, that's not 100% of the time. Sometimes they come around. But this is a presentation of a uh, that's common. And uh, so I developed discernment counseling as a way to help people assess whether they want to work on the marriage or whether they want to get divorced or maybe neither of the above. But we, we say the goals are clarity and confidence, about a direction for the marriage based on a deeper understanding of what's happened to the marriage and each person's contributions to the problems. Clarity and confidence based on what's happened and what's my role. Okay. 
and um, uh, and uh, and we talk as Liz was saying separately to the leaning out one than the leaning in one because they have different agendas. Uh, the leaning in one, what I try to help them do in discernment counseling, is is bring their best self to this crisis now, uh, present themselves in a way that makes it more likely that their spouse will want to work with them uh, to to seek therapy and to restore and to not make the common mistakes that they make, you know, like begging and pleading or scolding or calling calling her parents and saying, what kind of daughter did you raise that she's got to, you know, this doesn't help your case. What I say to those people, it's more often guys, I say, you're making yourself the least attractive spouse on the planet right now. Okay. And your goal is to encourage your spouse to, uh, to, to work with you. So with them, bring the best self forward and to really try to hear and understand the pain that their spouse is in. You know, what, what, what's, no more denial here. Um, just what's this person saying? How am I part of that? And just to really hear. With the leaning out one, we're trying to help them make a decision of, um, about whether to try to restore the marriage with with uh, with couples therapy, whether to divorce or or whether to do neither. And we try to help them have a more complex narrative, a more complex understanding of what's happened. When people are looking to divorce, they, they, there's a story they tell themselves that this is why, why we how we used to be. This is how we are now. And here's how we got to this terrible place. Everybody's narrative of our own marriage is incomplete, often self-serving. It's just human nature. Okay, um, And so we try to help them understand what's happened in a more complex way that puts them as an actor in the drama not as a passive recipient of stuff from mm -hmm. their spouse has given them. Their accountability, their responsibility, right? Yeah, well, we co-create our marriages, okay? We co-create them. And so we try to help them in a non-blaming way understand how they have been part of the creation of this marriage. And then we help them focus on what we call three paths. Path one is to go on as you've been, neither divorce or get help. Path two is the separation and divorce path. And path three is a six-month effort, couples therapy, and maybe with other help, with divorce off the table, to see if you can put your marriage onto a path of, of reconciliation and healing. Make a decision at the six months whether you think at this point, after help, you can make it work. Uh, and the, the, the big, the big, one of the big breakthroughs with this is to understanding that when people are thinking about divorce, they think they only have two paths, gut it out and be miserable because they don't see change happening <clears throat> or divorce. And <clears throat> those are pretty, I mean, it's, it's tough, tough to be choosing, particularly if you're looking at decades ahead <clears throat> and you're unhappy. Um, and we offer up a third option, which is not to be there forever because that's too big a, it's too big a leap for somebody who's right on the precipice, a six month period, but you have to take divorce off the table. If you've been having an affair, that has to be over a six month, all out effort <clears throat> with both people having an agenda for what they're going to work on. So that that's, that's it in a nutshell. Wow. It's so hopeful. So hopeful, Bill. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. The, the research friend me, Bill is, uh, is loving this. And I'm curious as far as, um, you know, re- research uh, effectiveness, can no. you give us a, even a case study or, or something that can. Yeah. We, we have a, a journal article. We followed um, at the Minnesota couples in the brink project at the university of Minnesota. We followed a hundred consecutive cases for two years uh, and able to, to, to look at which path they, which path they took the end of the December council, which, by the way, is limited to five sessions, so it's brief. So we followed them for two years and then saw who reconciled, who got divorced, and who and uh, who, who did neither. Um, and, you know, we, we found that um, uh, they all were very high uh, distress. In fact, uh, to be kind of clinically research nerdier, they were on average, a standard deviation, less happy than clinical couples going to therapy are. Wow. I mean, they, they were really, really in bad shape. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and you know, about half of them um, managed to save their marriage. Uh, and the other half, most of the other half got divorced. Uh, and then there were some who didn't either. Neither, neither, they were just on hold. And, um, and then there's been some other smaller scale research, qualitative research on Something we we hoped would happen. We have a little bit of evidence for that. Those who get divorced <clears throat> do a better job of co-parenting um, because that's one of our goals. Is that if they are going to divorce, I mean we're we're dealing with an intensive care unit here, so you're going to have people who are not going to make it. Uh, but is is there is the death better, if you will? Uh, and uh, and so we're we're looking at whether, particularly around co-parenting the divorce process is better. And the last thing I'll say on that is that um, uh, um, we, the only failure of discernment counseling in in my view is if nobody learns anything. Divorce is not a failure of the process. Some folks, by the time they get to us, they're they're too far gone. Um, But we want them to learn something here, not just I married the wrong person, or this person is a jerk or whatever. Um, uh, but w- w- what what happened here? Um, and one of the things I say to divorcing, leaning, uh, leaning out spouses, you, you can't divorce yourself. <laughs> Beautifully said. We carry ourselves with us. into. Mm-hmm. So if we could reduce the divorce rate of subsequent marriages, I would be happy. Me too. I often say that to couples is like, you know, wherever I go, there I am. So I'm going to leave this marriage and I'm going to go over here and have this marriage over here. I'm going to hear the same darn complaints now from my new partner as I heard from my former partner, right? Because wherever I go, there I go, Liz, right? I'm still thinking myself. We'll be right back after this brief message. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're back. Let's dive right in. Do you have any any couples stand out to you, Dr. Doherty, about those that have benefited from discernment counseling? Do you have an example or two on a personal level? Yeah. So 
Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's uh, lots that sort of like going through my mind. In our last conversation, we talked about how a couple's therapy cannot be helpful sometimes. In um, discernment counseling, we do an assessment. One of our assessment questions is about what they've done to try to repair the marriage. And uh, more than half of the people who have come to us have tried couples therapy before. So I'm thinking of a couple who who um, have been in marriage counseling three times. And part of the, uh, uh, of the uh, um, demoralization, hopelessness of the wife was they had tried three times to repair. So it's sort of like you're seeing the, the doctor and there's three rounds of chemo you've done. Okay, well, maybe it's time to let it go. And um, when, when, we, when we dug down into what the counseling was, it was very brief each time. Each time the counselor ended up seeing the wife and tell, you know, saying she had more of the problems and the husband was off the hook. Um, and, um, and in one of the cases, they, were, they didn't learn anything about their relationship. They were given little tips and tools and card games to play, and, you know, um, which could be fine if you're going to a marriage enrichment workshop. But when you're in serious trouble and you haven't had sex for nine months and you know, and the therapist is handing you little tools. Anyway, what I was able to help them see is that they didn't, well, the other thing was the husband wasn't that motivated to, okay, so he was sort of, now he's motivated because his wife's threatening to leave him. <clears throat> and I was able to help um, help him bring himself forward and, and, and show what he was what he was hearing more what he was getting about his preoccupation with his work, his distance, um, uh, uh, you know, his wife doing, you know, it was classic, the wife doing everything and he just did his job and he didn't listen to her complaints. Um, and, um, and he was able to understand how lonely that made her feel, how taken for granted, and that she had had a career before and now didn't and she was dissatisfied. He, he would blow that off before, okay? And now he was not blowing it off. You know, he was, he was getting it. He had his wake-up call. And the wife admitted he was already changing. But on her end, she didn't see what more she could learn because she was reading all the books, been in personal therapy for 11 years. They had tried couples therapy. And I was able to help her see that she was focusing on her husband's limitations and, and not not her own. I mean, she was she was uh, um, an expert on his psyche, and not so much on her own. And I pointed out to her this is an example of language I might use in discernment counseling, talking to her by herself. And she gave me a couple paragraphs about her husband's limitations and blah blah blah, why she thought he couldn't change. And then I said, so give me, we've talked a bit before, but give me a sense of how you look at your contributions to the marriage. I know you've thought about this. And she, she gave me a sentence. So I said, you know, you're a person who is good with words. And you gave me two paragraphs about your husband, which made sense to me. You're a pretty good analyst there. And you gave me one sentence with no compound clauses yeah. <laughs> about your own on contributions. Your <laughs> yeah. On your part, she went, oh, 
Um, And so we delved into that more. And here's the thing that people may not realize that if somebody is thinking of leaving the marriage because their spouse won't change, a lot of times it's because they're not sure they can change or they don't have their own agenda for change and they put it on their spouse. Okay. That's what she came to. She realized that she spent all of her time focusing on how her husband had to change to make her happy and that she had given herself away uh, and that she wasn't looking at how she was part of this marriage. So with that in mind, it was now clear to her that she should choose this path for you and work on the relationship. Because part of what she realized is, it goes back to what you're saying, Liz, she had changes. She had things she needed to work on in this or any other relationship. Okay. Um, for instance, she would get raise an issue, get passive. If he didn't respond, she would just back away. And then she would freeze him out for three days. That was her conflict path. This is not exactly a good way to do intimacy in marriage. And if she if she gets divorced here, why is she going to necessarily be any good, any better in another marriage? Okay. So she realized not only did she she really cared for this guy, but that she could work on herself in the couples therapy to learn to to do have what I call solid self, to be connected intimately and to have good boundaries and know what you feel, what you want, what you stand for, to have both of those, a solid self. And so here's the irony, and this happens all the time in discernment counseling. By focusing on her own flaws, if you will, yeah. We've got she it. felt more hopeful. Ah, hmm. oh, lovely. But she could do something about those. That's right. That you can't explains. change your spouse. Yeah. You can change yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah, oh, there's got to be nothing better than when you see a couple turn around like that. I, I see miracles in my office and there's just nothing more thrilling. You know, and, and discernment counseling, I'm just so grateful for the tool. Dr. Yeah. Doherty, thank you for that. I think, I think, Bill, that there are couples who are listening right now to this and thinking, yes, that, you know, this is what I need. I need to go see a discernment counselor to kind of help us decide on, on what direction and path we need to go. I also think that there are some listeners right now who are... Uh, who have had thoughts, who are thinking about, or it's crossed their mind, or they've had a blow up and, and this, you know, man, should I, should I get divorced or not? Uh, you're probably aware of some research that I did with Dr. Alan Hawkins and a colleague of yours, good friend, Dr. Steve Harris, there at the University of Minnesota, who's also trained in, in discernment counseling. We did a study on divorce ideation. We want to know how often are people thinking uh, about divorce? We surveyed over 3000 uh, people in the United States and one of the many questions we asked was, have you ever thought your marriage was in serious trouble? And 53% said yes, with 25%. So one out of four of our sample indicating they thought about divorce within the past six months. So in other words, thinking your marriage might be in trouble is is fairly common. Have you found similar findings? And what do you make of that? Well, uh, no, you guys did the you you guys did the groundbreaking research there. I was so thrilled with that research because you, you were looking at the whole population hmm. in, in therapy. We see people who choose to come in our door. Yeah. And so we go in depth with a few people, but your study looked at a nationally representative samples. So I was really excited about that. But what it says is that think thoughts about divorce thoughts about, you know, serious problems in the marriage. Um, you know, this is pretty common. Uh, and, uh, and people are not to panic. It's a wake-up call. If you're having kind of thoughts about it, it's a wake-up call. It's it's not it's not 
doomsday. It's a wake up call. Uh, and, uh, and so for people who are experiencing that wake up call now who, who are listening, um, a, a key, a key thing is to be willing to look in the mirror about yourself in the relationship to not just focus on what you're not getting from this other flawed individual, but to invite yourself <clears throat> to look at how you may be, how you may have signed, signed an, a contract, an unconscious contract many years ago that you were not going to be fully honest with the other person, for example. Okay. Uh, that when the other person who gets given to temper tantrums would uh, yell at you or put you down, um, you, that you would take that and that you wouldn't say, wait a minute, uh -uh. this isn't going to fly. Nobody calls me names like that. I know you're upset with me. Not going to, not going to, I'm not going to have this. Okay. Um, your spouse, you find out, uh, comes home drunk. Okay. Um, mm, well, do you just sort of take the boots off and put them in bed like the old cowboy movies, uh, and then give them an aspirin in the morning? Or do you say, would, would, should you have said, this is a wake up call? We got to really talk now. Okay. What I'm saying is, um, we, we, uh, we co-create by accepting or not what our spouse does. And then we add in our own contributions to problems. And so doing that kind of inventory on the assumption that I've been, I'm part of this uh, is a really important thing, a really important thing to be thinking of as a, as a leaning out spouse. Uh, and then of getting help before you're so demoralized that you're ready to call the divorce lawyer, which means being honest with your spouse. And so we give some, you know, give some language. So how do you bring up the, the fact that your marriage is in a lot of trouble without condemning your partner? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so we offer some language, uh, um, uh, you know, on, on this modern commitment and the Doherty Relationship Institute, these projects that I run. Uh, so for example, you can tell your spouse who, who maybe has refused to go to therapy with you. You can say something like, I'm scared now. I'm scared for our marriage because I'm finding, I love you. I want to be with you. And I'm finding my hope declining. I'm finding, this is very scary to say, my commitment kind of wavering. And I don't like these feelings. It scares me. I think we need help. Uh, and um, because I think we're getting into trouble. I I'm certainly in trouble in this marriage. And would you please, please uh, come with me and get some help? You notice none of that blamed the spouse. The, what, what people are more apt to do is to say, I'm sick and tired of you doing this and this and this and this. I've been telling you this for the last four years. And, and, uh, and, and, and let's go to therapy basically so you can fix yourself. Well, you will get about 99 times out of 100 a defensive response. Um, a, what you're saying about me is not true or it's exaggerated or B, you're just as bad. 
And by the way, those shrinks charge so much money, they don't help anybody. Well, then you have just, there's one more bit of evidence, okay, that this marriage can't work. And you just elicited it. You just made it happen by the, by the way you brought it up. And so with vulnerability, with, without attack, that's an example of to say. Now, I want to say something for the leaning ins partner because there'd be those people out there listening in too. So your spouse is signaling that they may want divorce uh, and, and you don't want it. What can you do? And, and my daughter, who's just brilliant at these sorts of things, said to me one day, okay, so you, to me, your good friend Peter, my good friend Peter, calls from Boston. He has to go in and teach his high school students in five minutes. <clears throat> he calls me and said his wife, who's also a dear friend of mine, just said she wants to leave him. And now this is not a true case here, but like your friend calls, you have five minutes. <clears throat> what would you say? And so what came out of me was to, to find a kind, calm time and to say, I clearly have not been listening well enough to you. Clearly, you're telling me you're in a lot of pain, a lot of stress in the marriage, and I know I'm a part of that, maybe even the, a big part. And I haven't been listening to you. Would you be willing to tell me again, and I will only listen, what is what is making you miserable and unhappy in our marriage? And And I can't promise I'm going to fix anything right now, but I realize I haven't been hearing you. And then the directions are only listen. And at the end, say, thank you. I'm going to take this to heart. Don't defend yourself. Don't attack. And that would be an example of something that a lenient person, I know I've not been listening well, and I, I have to try. That's great languaging. Yeah, humility and, and that soft, that humility, open heart, humility. Yeah, humility. Wow. Yeah. 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 Bill, I uh, think back to even some research I've done in, in Missouri. Um, I taught a divorce education class for nine years, about three times a month, and so taught thousands. So they've already been the process, right? They've been through it. Um, some will even reconcile after they watch the class. But I decided to survey uh, six months to a year after they've divorced. And then I survey them and I, I ask them some questions. One of the questions was, do you have, looking back, do you have any, any regrets? You know, do you have any regrets? And 25%, one out of four said that they have some regrets about getting a divorce. And about 12% or one in eight said that looking back, they no longer were confident that they made the right decision to divorce. Wow. So even after the fact, some have this, this longing, something like, I wish I would, could have done something more and now feel like it's, it's too late. Well, it's interesting, Dave, because our research with couples while they were in the divorce process, we, we did this through the family court here in Minneapolis, 12% in 12% of the cases, both people said they would be open to a reconciliation service if one were available, both people. And, and most of these folks were far along in the process because people post, they took it right after the divorce education class. And a lot of people, as you know, postponed that. Okay. They postponed it. So these are people well into the process. When we broke it down by where they were in the process, those numbers are even higher. In other words, if you get people at the point at which they filed, but even better before they get the divorce professionals involved. So when I talk with divorce lawyers and mediators about this research, I say, um, 
there are a lot of there's a lot of what we call divorce ambivalence. In fact, 40 percent in our study of individuals, I talked about 12 percent where they both 40 percent of individual spouses said they were not sure divorce was the right thing to do wow. or didn't want the divorce. Forty percent at an individual level. Yeah. Okay. And so we call this divorce ambivalence. And um, and um, and so we have a way for divorce lawyers and mediators, if, if they want to, to we have a little questionnaire that can give people to assess divorce ambivalence. And we, we've uh, we've done research and actually just finished. A, we did a study in Iran, you know, with the same questions. There's and it brings out the ambivalence. Um, so here are the four things people can check. One is I'm done with this marriage. I can't think uh, anything would change my mind, even if my spouse made major changes. Um, I have mixed feelings about the divorce. Sometimes I think it's a good idea. Sometimes I'm not sure. Um, the third is I would consider reconciling if my spouse made major changes. And the fourth one is that I don't want this divorce and I would do anything to keep my marriage. And again, in the, in the studies, it depends on the study, between 30 and 40 percent of individuals are not in the first one. In other words, they have divorce ambivalence, mixed feelings. They would consider reconciling if they really want to. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. And, and we've had divorce lawyers use this question in their office. It's the same percentages. There are a lot of people who who are not sure this is the best thing. And, uh, and part of my mission is to at least prepare therapists and others like clergy and others to recognize this ambivalence and not just charge ahead. Because the, the, the judge who originally approached me about this, Judge Reese Peterson, he said, in this court, everything is designed that once somebody files to get them through, boom, like the chute opens, get through, everybody through, like clearing criminal cases, you know, clear it. And now, and give them help, give them support, minimize the damage to the kids, all that, that's good. But if somebody were to somebody says, I'm not so sure this is what I want to do, everything is lined up to say, no, keep going. Kind of like pre-wedding jitters, you know, right. um, <laughs> hey, we already rented the hall. Yeah. <laughs> you know? the, 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 you already have the dresses here. Yeah. Right. So this uh, and but, you know, with weddings, people say, oh, it'll work out. OK, well, with pre-divorce jitters, they're not given enough support. You can slow it down. Uh, 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 the Stu Webb, who is the founder of Collaborative Divorce Law, who I approached when we first did this research, I was wondering what he would think of it, and he loved it. And he said, "We want to help people do what's best for them as they see it." And just because you you're a divorce lawyer doesn't mean divorce is the best thing for them. And then he says something I quote a lot, and that is, "Divorce is never an emergency decision. A separation might be. In other words, if if you're being." harmed if somebody's taking all the money, you know, but a divorce is a legal process that plays out over an extended period of time. It's never an emergency decision to move out could be, you follow what I'm saying? There are emergencies mm. that are threatening situations, but divorce is not that. Mm. So you can slow it down, mm -hmm. look at your options, look in the mirror, get help, be humble about the fact that your marriage is in trouble rather than certain that you figured it out because you haven't. Oh, so well said. So we understand now with ambivalent couples where one's leaning in, one's leaning out, discernment counseling can be the best approach. 
And individuals can find your discernment counselors on a particular site, I'm sure. I don't even know what that is, Bill. Remind me. Discernment. Uh, well, uh, discernmentcounselors.com. Discernmentcounselors.com. And they can actually take this little quiz with the four the, the four categories. They can see where they are on it and, and, and get some immediate help. So we want to we want to help people learn how to bring it up to folks. So, so for example, if somebody thinks discernment counseling might be good for them, we recommend send the, after you've talked to your spouse about all this, send them the link so they can read about it. Okay. Now the advantage, one advantage of discernment counseling for the leaning out spouse, who is often the ambivalent one about therapy is no more than five sessions. And you only are choosing to go to the first one. That's right. Each time you decide whether to do a second, a third, a fourth, or fifth. Right. So it's it's a low, we did that on purpose. It's a low bar of commitment. Would you come once? Uh and um and 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 you know what what you know we could learn from it. The second thing is that unlike couples therapy, and this is a, the key, the key difference with couples therapy, the goal is not to improve the marriage. The goal is not to solve the problems, to bring people closer. The goal is for them to see if the problems are solvable and if they want to work on. Okay. It's so it's, uh, and as you know, Liz, this is a big part of the training because the people that do this are couples therapists or used to get in there and, and trying to help people fix things. If you, if you try to do that with somebody who isn't so sure they want to try, it'll fail. It sure will. For those couples that are on the same page, they both want to come in and they want to get some skills. They realize that they both have a role and they're both all the way in. Um, and in your book, that Take Back Your Marriage, in the second edition, you have some questions. It's a, a list of do's and don'ts for people to really seek out a therapist that might be um, not harmful, but helpful. What are some of those things to watch out for, please, Bill? Well, for one thing, find out <clears throat> if from any way you can, this can be hard, whether somebody does a lot of marriage counseling, couples therapy, or whether they are primarily an individual counselor who does some couples work. So there's a survey done some years ago that found that 80% of private practice therapists say they do couples therapy. But you know not that many are trained in it. They haven't been trained. Uh, And so, yeah, don't see somebody whose website is adult depression, anxiety, ADHD, blah, 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 you know, couples, right? Right? They're signaling something here. <laughs> yeah, and couples too, um, um, and um, and then l- look for because everybody's a website now. Look for indications on their website that they are supportive of marriage and commitment. Mm. Um, l- l- look for some signals that they are happy when couples make it. Okay, um, if if um, if if you're say you're calling and. And you say, I, you know, uh, I'm afraid if we don't do this, my spouse could divorce me and blah, blah, blah. If you were to get back from somebody, well, um, whether people divorce or not, is really doesn't matter to me. I'm here to help people, you know, just you know, have a good relationship, whether that's married or divorced, run for the hills. Because that's the classic neutrality. Um, uh, and you're looking for somebody who will support you in that commitment. The rest is hard, Liz, as you know, because how people actually conduct sessions, um, you don't know until you get there. 
But once you've gone there, does the therapist set a structure for the, for this or let you just sort of let one of you do all the talking and the other kind of more silent partner? Do they let you interrupt each other? All Are you going in and having the same arguments there that you have at home with the therapist saying afterwards, gee, you both seem upset, you know, like, come on. Um, so you have to have somebody who structures and somebody who connects with both people. So both do both of you feel heard? Do both of you feel you have a connection? Those, those are the key things. Do you feel connected with both of you? And is there a structure? Is there a plan? Is there some sort of like, okay, this person is leading us through a process? That those are the things you get when you when when you're actually in it. Ah, good good reminders. I like that. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Dr. Dory, this has been another amazing um, discussion. I, I vote we bring you back on 20 more times. How about, how about that? We, <laughs> we just keep plowing through. It's so helpful. For me, it, it, it feels like there can be hope. There can be healing and, and help if we just kind of pause, intentionally pause and say, mm -hmm. hey, what do we want? Let, let's, uh, I apologize. Let me hear you, understand you. All these things we've been talking about um, – be very powerful for both those couples who are in the midst of it, as well as maybe a parent who's listening, uh, you know, how do I help my child or, uh, you know, a cousin or someone that's going through something like this. So, so very um, helpful. And, you know, Bill, before we wrap up, we love to have a, a takeaway of the day of, of all the great stuff that we've talked about. Do you have something that you hope that that listeners will take away today? Well, I guess two parts. One is, Although divorce is sometimes tragically necessary when the, when people often when they're behaving dysfunctionally and badly. And so divorce sometimes is tragically necessary. Most divorces are unnecessary, can be prevented if you approach it with humility and commitment and passion to, 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 to heal what you've co-created. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I, I think my, my takeaway is uh, so even somewhat related, and that's the thoughts, kind of the thinking pattern, that divorce ideation, thinking about divorce. It's it's relatively common, and having that doesn't mean that your relationship is doomed. It's more like a little signal. It's a little kind of a bell going off that says, hey, maybe we should look into this a little bit more. It's not time to panic, uh, but consider yourself normal if you if that thought has ever crossed your mind. But then it's a it's a little signal. Uh, maybe we need to 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 do some more. Um, Liz, what's your takeaway today? Couple of things, you know. I love the new languaging that Dr. Bill Doherty has, has mentioned about. Look to a, a partner. I am scared. I am sad. I'm worried for us. I I don't think either one of us are happy. I feel like we need to get some help. Would you be willing to come with me? You know, I will do anything for our marriage and for you. I. I want us to really save this and, 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 and get back on track. I believe in us. Just new languaging versus the blaming, right? Every time I point the finger at you, there's, as the adage goes, there's all those fingers pointing back at me. I have to look in the mirror, have to be accountable and responsible. Only then can we start to make a difference in our relationships. Yeah, yeah, well said. Dr. Doherty, any final thoughts before we yeah. let you go? Hey, no, I like listening to you guys. Those, those are beautiful. <laughs> That's how we feel about you, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, this has been great. Well, we sure appreciate you. 
Um, again, the, the great books, we're going to post those in the show notes, the websites that we've talked about. Those will all be in the, in the show notes. But that's all we have time for today on another episode of Stronger Marriage Connection. Thanks so much for your support, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, do us a favor and take a few minutes to subscribe to our podcast and the Utah Marriage Commission YouTube channel, where you can watch this and every episode of the show. When you hit the like button and leave a comment, your feedback helps us improve the show. And don't forget to share this episode with a friend. You can also follow and connect with us on Instagram at Stronger Marriage Life and on Facebook at Stronger Marriage. Be sure to share with us what topics you want us to explore or what you loved about today's episode. If you want even more resources to improve your relationship connection, visit our website at StrongerMarriage.org where you'll find free workshops, webinars, relationship surveys, and more. Each episode of Stronger Marriage Connection is hosted and sponsored by the Utah Marriage Commission at Utah State University. And finally, a big thanks to our producers Rex Polanis and Alexis Alcott and the team at Utah State University. And you, our audience, you make this show possible. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.